Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. And welcome to episode 219 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with Ross. <laughs> Hi Dave, how's it going? All right, how are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. I've been uh, suffering from a cold a little bit the last couple of weeks, but it's given me plenty of time to uh, watch TV and play video games, so it's <laughs> been a blessing in disguise. Always good. So what have you been doing then? Uh, cool. So uh, last time we talked, I was playing Persona 5. Do you remember that? Yes. Um, so this is like a game about being a high school student who's got like a alter ego, right? Then yes. their alter ego is um, changing people's lives and changing society and stuff. Um, so I finished it. It was really good, um, really fantastic. Um, so I picked up Persona 4, which is the game before this on, um, do you remember the PS Vita, Dave? Oh, yeah. So this is, um, I actually looked, it's actually smaller than my phone, it's the screen. <laughs> but this is like um, Sony's last sort of handheld console. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's really it's really fun because, like I say, because it's smaller than my phone, it actually feels small, you know what I mean? Compared to like a Switch or something that feels can feel a little bit bulky. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really good. So I'm enjoying that uh, right now. Cool. Also, uh, a couple of TV programs on the go. We started watching um, Working Moms season three just came to Netflix. So this is a, a Toronto-based sitcom about uh, moms who work and and you know they balance having grown-up lives with being parents and and to babies and, and young pe- young kids and stuff. Uh, it's a really good series. Really funny. Um, yeah, really cleverly done as well. Quite dark though. So um, you know. Right, okay, uh, cool. I have not heard of that one. So it's yeah. really good. I, I would give it a go. I think like the funny stuffs in there, but the 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 sort of heart of the of it is the drama that happens in these people's lives, and it's really. Um, I think it's only like a twenty minute episode situation, so okay. they're pretty easy to get through as well. Yeah. Um, so speaking of, we've also been rewatching a classic day of Parks and Recreation on Amazon Prime. Um, I, I need to go and watch that because I, I know it's supposed to be brilliant, and I've never picked it up. So yes. So, uh, a few months ago, we finished the office and we were sort of the US office, I should say, and we were kicking about sort of wondering what to watch next. And we started, we've watched it once before, but I was, I was a little bit younger, so I couldn't appreciate it. But yeah, wouldn't you see, um, Chris, so this is sort of, I think the role that put Chris Pratt sort of on the map. Yeah. Um, in fact, he, we just got to the sixth season, there's seven seasons and he leaves for a little while. And I'm pretty sure it's because they're recording, um, Guardians of the Galaxy and he comes back having, he made a, there's a joke in it about how he, um, just stopped 
drinking beer and he lost loads of weight because of course he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's huge. Yeah. 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 Whereas in the first few seasons, you know, he's, he's a bit uh, rounder, shall we say? Yes. Um, but yeah, really definitely worth a go, especially if you've never seen it, Dave. Absolutely. So like uh, Aziz Ansari gets his break in it uh, and he's really, really uh, funny. And like uh, Amy Poehler. Yeah. Also um, Billy Eichner is in it. I think it's the first thing I saw Billy Eichner and it might be the first thing he was in, um, but he's like big deal now. Um, yeah. yeah. Really good. Really good series. Worth, cool. a, worth a go. Also, Dave, another blast from the past. We've been watching uh, the Matrix movies. Do you remember the Matrix? <laughs> <laughs> I do. And they're making um, another one. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we, we were talking about how they're making another one and we were talking about how ooh, neither my wife or I could remember the plot. Um, still, still no clue. Uh, but we've watched all three of them again now. And uh, yeah, um, I think I think they stand up a lot more than people I assumed they did. Um, well, yeah. I think See, something... Ma- Gone. My recollection is first one fabulous, second one pretty good, third one mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> See, my 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 now opinion the other side of it is that the second one dragged a bit, but the third one was okay. Okay. Um, so I, I would do one, then three, then two. But I, you know, this is an idiot's opinion, Dave. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that some of the action, especially in the second one, looks a bit ropey because they do they do less like get Keanu Reeves to punch this guy and a bit more sort of PlayStation two CGI. Right. Um, and it looks, I think it looks ropier in the second one than in the third one, which I think took me out of it. And the, there's a bit more enter a room and a guy explains what's happening. You know, he explains the story in the second one. Yeah. Um, whereas the third one, the story like isn't as smart, but it at least, they don't sit in a room with a man and have it dictated to you, you know, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is the beauty of the first one is that you see it unfold. Nobody like, apart from the bit where even he even says he can't tell you what the matrix is. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely recommend a go. I think there, uh, the action holds up, like I say, and in, in, for the most part, generally, um, I think there are some things like people in the nineties, I guess it's, I think it's 98, the first one, um, yeah. mobile phones and sunglasses are very strange in those times. <laughs> Yeah. and uh, that that really that that's i think pretty much the only thing that dates it but you can sort of buy it because like the whole thing's got this sort of green hue when they're in the matrix i think they're really good and i still think they're they're worth another go over yeah yeah i should how go you, back how about you dave what you've been up to so i went and uh, finally finished another life which is the katie sackoff sci-fi series which mm-hmm. was on uh netflix and i'd watched the first couple of episodes and hadn't been back to it sort of left it not because i didn't like it just other stuff got in the way um so i finally got to the end of that series really enjoyed it uh it, it does end on a bit of a cliffhanger so i hope they're coming back for another season but um yeah really enjoyable sci-fi it's very tropey in the sci-fi thing you know you've got episodes where they really leaning into a lot of the things you've seen in other sci-fis such as you know getting high on on uh, a, a sort of mysterious alien world they end up on a sort of alien world and and take something they shouldn't by accident so you've got that sort of tropey thing you've got a, a ai robot that goes a bit wrong you've got mm. you know so you've there's all that sort of stuff in there so it's not necessarily massively original but it's quite nicely put together and it's enjoyable and i like the story of it and the the whole premise is basically alien artifact lands on earth they think they've pinpointed where the alien artifact has come from so they try and go and make contact but 
the that's sort of quite a long journey so she leaves her husband behind her husband is the person that is trying to decipher the alien artifact on earth so that's the sort of connection and the the whole series is on netflix yeah it's just one season yeah yeah it's one season on netflix at the moment as i say Mm. it, it doesn't and it ends on a bit of a cliffhanger you know so it is designed to come back but we'll have to see whether it does also on netflix island which we've talked about a few weeks over the last few weeks because it was kind of launching and they put trailers out there yeah it's terrible (laughs) (laughs) oh no it is it is but it's it's almost terrible to the point of you kind of want to watch to see just how bad it is um i mean i i watched the first episode and i was thinking this the writing in this is not good it's very (laughs) kind of yeah What's the elevator pitch here, Dave? What's the story? Okay, so the story is group of people wake up on an island, no idea how they got there, um, and they are trying to sort of find a way to survive. Uh, Sure. That is sort of the pitch. There is another element to that, which was completely ruined by the trailer. Oh, no. Um, Because they show you what that other element, and we've talked about it because I assumed it would be more up front. But just in case you, I don't know whether I should really say, but, you know, we know, we know actually why, or or have some idea why they're on the island because it was Mm. shown in the trailer. So that whole mystery thing has completely gone out the window. And you've got, these guys, they're not particularly likable personalities. The personalities don't really work. They seem incredibly forced. Uh, <laughs> you've got them like in the first episode where they've just woken up with no memory. There's a group of them. They're on this island. One of them starts sunbathing. And, oh, sounds good to me. And... <laughs> She uncovers a book in the sand that basically says the mysterious, the, the mysteries or the mysterious island, and looks like a sort of guidebook to the mysterious island. And she just looks and goes, "Oh, what's this book?" and throws it away. And you're like, "Really? You, you you're on a mysterious island, and you found a book that's titled the mysterious island. You wouldn't even flick through it, <laughs> you know? Particularly when you've got nothing else to read." I just yeah. it's so weird it's so badly written i so but, uh, if we do want to watch it it's on netflix yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i just i mean i got about three quarters of the way through the next episode and i started looking up looking it up online thinking is it me is it, am i missing something it's like no no it is this everybody bad. else loves it um, yeah, yeah it's uh, but there are a lot of people out there there was a lot of talk about it just talking about the fact that it is sort of almost so bad it's good type mm. of show so uh worth uh, worth going to look at if you like those sort of but it, it just car crash um but yes that's i hyphen land that if you want to go and look for it uh the hot zone i also watched which is a new show which started on national geographic uh which is is about the sort of outbreak of a a deadly uh virus that i thought was quite good um it's doesn't give a huge amount away in the first episode you sort of see them potentially the start of the spread of this new virus uh i won't go into any huge amount of detail on that but it 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 was uh yeah that is one to look up if you haven't seen that yet it's it's because it's sort of buried on national geographic so maybe one that you bypassed but uh yeah hot zone that is worth looking up uh temple which is the new sky show i watched uh it's mark strong in the lead Mm. role in that 
he effectively runs this underground clinic which is literally an underground clinic at the temple tube station it sort of opens there's a bank robbery that goes wrong and his friend which is sort of helping him with the clinic who has got various shady deals played by daniel mays he brings the mate of his that was involved in the bank robbery along and that's sort of how you get introduced into this clinic it's not really he's not really set it up for that particular purpose but that's right. sort of what it ends up getting used for and that's how you get mm. introduced to it but yeah it uh, interesting looking series and interesting premise for a show i i quite enjoyed that and it's it's sort of drama or dark comedy kind of mix, I would say. So mm. it is a drama, but there is there are comedic moments in it. It is really good, in, good, funny, interesting. I think that's Sky One are running that. Uh, I could also all be on catch up, I think, because most of those Sky shows are at this point. Uh, but yes, Temple worth going to watch. And uh, the MCU, my run through the MCU, I'm up to phase three. I just started Doctor Strange. Um, okay. So I'm I'm enjoying running through that. What I find interesting, actually, is how well those movies string together as uh, not only as a cohesive whole, but yeah. like the Captain America movies, if you hadn't watched the other films, still string together quite well. Yeah. You know, the, the main plot point of which, I mean, for those sort of second and third Captain America movies, really is Bucky that sort of, you know, strings yeah. those two together. And yes, there are other characters in there that might not make any sense if you hadn't watched the other MCU films. Yeah. But it's still, as a cohesive story, still strings together if it's just those movies. You know? Sure. I, th I think you'd come up with an issue if you watched an earlier one and then a later one. And mm. certain people, I think, specifically because of that third Captain America movie, certain people end up in certain situations and you're like, oh, well, why is this person here? And, you know, that, yeah. that's the only thing. But like you say, the characters would still... It would make sense, you know, even the yeah. new characters. And and it, the end of phase two is when that starts to dissolve a little bit, where, where yeah. they kind of start to assume that everybody is watching everything. You know, <laughs> it does start to get into that point, but they do still string together quite well as sort of individual, you know, sets yeah. of films, as well as being part of a cohesive whole, which is quite nice. Uh, but yeah, the, the earlier movies, they were obviously a little bit hesitant about whether everybody would go and see every single film, you know. Sure. So, yeah. so, so, you know, all the Iron Man string together and without too much reference to other stuff so uh but i'm enjoying that i'm enjoying that run through and i like i said i've just started doctor strange so uh that one yeah. will be my next what's, one what's interesting have you seen the latest spider-man uh Dave? i haven't yet no there's I've... some interesting stuff um because of the events of whatever the last avengers one was called endgame, endgame right because of that and where spider-man is in the universe now or isn't this in case or, or isn't yeah right um there's some interesting stuff where actually Actually, like you say about these movies tying together, they've sort of um, retroactively tied certain things about certain of those earlier movies into the, oh. you know, they've become more relevant now, which I think is really clever. And yeah. it's a shame you haven't watched a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> but yeah. people who have, I'm sure, will know what I mean. And there's a couple of different bits in that movie that tie to some much earlier movies in the, in the canon that, that uh, yeah, I think it's really cleverly done like that. Yeah, I had heard that. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I just missed it completely at the cinema. So I'm waiting for the DVD release to uh, yeah. come out for that. So that's all the stuff that we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. 
TV and film news this week, we start off with, well, it's all about the streaming services, really. That's been the the big thing to launch with, because we usually start with renewals, cancellations and pickups. And I technically, these are pickups, I guess. Yeah, uh, I suppose so. So uh, Apple TV have announced their launch date. They are launching worldwide, pretty much, or in over 100 countries anyway, including the UK. Apple TV will launch on Friday, the 1st of November. If you're wondering how to get Apple TV, there is an app coming to certain smart TVs. You can buy an Apple TV box. Uh, it's also, the app is coming on, I think, onto the Amazon stick So and the mm-hmm. Amazon stuff. So uh, you can you can get it on there. I don't know whether it's, I don't think it's coming on as an Amazon channel, but it's coming onto the Amazon stick device. And presumably they'll have a, some sort of web service as well, right? Yeah, there is a, yeah, I think it's a apple.tv or something. You can, right. So you can actually go and watch just directly online for the uh, from the TV portal you've also got I think it's coming to the Roku boxes as well so there is a whole bunch of different ways you can get it without having to go out and spend like 100 quid on a Apple TV box you know there are various different ways of getting it it is out there it, it is going to be relatively easy to get hold of I think it's 5.99 a month so it's not a huge amount I mean that's the same as an add-on channel to to the Amazon system so yeah. you know it's not unreasonable they've also announced their starting lineup then there isn't a huge amount of shows on the starting lineup but there are some quite interesting good ones on there so uh, the the morning show which we've talked about before this is the dramedy that's set behind the scenes of a US TV morning show uh, Reese Witherspoon Jennifer Anderson and Steve Carell are big the names. stars of that. Yeah, it's very big names there. I think Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston are the producers as well. So, oh, wow. um, so yeah, that looks like it could be really quite good. Uh, For All Mankind, which is from Ronald D. Moore, uh, that's an alt history drama where it's set around the space race and... I think the premise is that the USR beats the US to the moon and it's sort of how the 60s move forward from that basic Mm. shift in the dynamic and it's sort of how the space race doesn't really end because the US are then sort of catching up. So it sort of forces them to, to look at other things such as trying to get to Mars and that sort of thing. So... That looks quite interesting. I'm quite looking forward to that. The C, which is from Stephen Knight, the creator of Peaky Blinders, stars Jason Momoa and set in a future where the human race has lost the ability to see, so lost the sense of sight, and then two children are born who have the ability to see. That's the sort of premise of it. And it's it's kind of set mm. in this kind of uh, you know, society's kind of collapsed and gone backwards. So you know, it, it's it's this sort of barbarian-esque type yeah, society that's, that they're living in. That's really interesting because if, if no one can see, not only does it change it, it changes what we yeah. value, right? Yeah, um, exactly. And sort of how we interact with the world around us, you know? Mm. Interesting. That's really interesting. So uh, there is a trailer for that, which is up on the website. There's a trailer for The Morning Show and for All Mankind up there as well. Great. There's Dickinson, which is a dark comedy coming-of-age story which explores the constraints of society, gender, and family through the lens of a rebellious young poet called Emily Dickinson. So uh, there's that. There's uh, new stuff from Oprah Winfrey, which is kind of a book club type of thing and there's interviews and things she's doing uh there's a documentary called the elephant queen going on there which is about the the sort of potential extinction of of the species there's a reinvention of the kids show ghostwriter which i 
don't really know. I think it was a US no. show. Um, there's Snoopy in space, which is Snoopy in space. Snoopy, I know. <laughs> yeah, basically Snoopy in space. And uh, Helpsters, which is from the makers of Sesame Street, and that's for young children, obviously, and uh, teaching them how to do various things. And, you know, it's one of those kind of standard Sesame Street kind of street kind of learning things, which sounds really quite good. So there's that. Uh, so yeah, interesting selection of, of things. They are new things that they are going to be added, adding on a monthly basis as well. So there is more stuff coming than that, but that's their starting lineup. I don't think that's too bad for a sort of five ninety nine. Not bad at all. Sort of deal. I will be getting Apple Plus, I think. Definitely one to look out for. There's also been announcements of another streaming service coming. This one coming from NBC University. This one not launching the UK. I very, very much doubt you're going to get this in the UK. It's called Peacock, which is based after the uh, NBC logo. So it comes from NBC Universal. And and whilst we might not get the service itself, there are a bunch of quite interesting sounding shows coming into it. (laughs) One of them is... Which we won't get, just to be clear. (laughs) Well, no, we might do because these sort of things tend to get picked up by other networks in the UK. So, you know, that's what I'm expecting. Off the list of things, the most interesting one that stood out is there is another reboot of Battlestar Galactica coming, this time coming from Sam Ishmael, who is the creator of Mr. Robot. I think that sounds like it could be intriguing. It's unclear whether it would have any connection to the previous version, which was done by Ronald D. Moore. Uh, we don't know anything really more about it than that other than they are making it. So, um, I mean, obviously the, the Ronald D. Moore version wasn't the original version either. So, you right. know, it's strange given how much acclaim that series got, that yeah. their sort of, that reboot series got, how much the, the, they're kind of looking to reboot it again. So intriguing but uh there's that coming brave new world which we've talked about previously which is alden ehrenreich um and demi moore starring in that we've talked about that before it was coming to the usa network but it looks like they've they're now moving it across to their streaming service uh there is a reboot of saved by the bell coming terrific i'll uh, take that with uh, maria lopez and elizabeth berkeley back playing their characters i don't know whether anybody else will be joining them but uh, there is that coming so presumably those characters are going to be the teachers possibly and then there'll be new kids oh, is it? so it's like a maybe. reboot so you know they're doing lizzie mcguire but now lizzie mcguire is older so it's like a sequel almost right yeah but, well they're, they're doing this is like a reboot yeah well i mean it will be them playing the same characters but obviously they can't be in high school because they're much older right so so it's the char- same characters again so i don't know what the setup will be but my guess oh, is they will probably end up being teachers i would have thought um punky brewster which is another big american show oh, yeah uh, that's coming back. Same actress of that. That's, oh, a, that's, a, that's the same sort of thing as uh, as you were talking about just then, that with a grown-up version of that character. Uh, there is a new series of AP Bio coming, which AP Bio has actually been picked up by Sky Comedy in the UK, which is their new channel that they're launching in February next year, I think it is, that they're launching that. But there is a third season of that coming. That uh, was on NBC, and it's now going to be on the streaming service. Uh, there is a movie, second spin-off, movie of the long-running series psych they're making that as well 
There is a new show uh, called Rutherford Falls coming from Mike Sure, who is the man behind Parts and Rec and The Good Place and various other things. There is a few uh, unscripted shows as well, such as like a spin-off of Real Housewives. And there is a, a behind-the-scenes documentary series from Saturday Night Live and a whole mm. bunch of other stuff. So uh, I think that Sky Comedy Channel may pick up a few of the comedies because Saturday Night Live and AP Bio are coming onto that Sky Comedy Channel. So uh, there may be some kind of crossover coming there. So we may see more of them come across. But yeah, so the, there are an interesting new show, bunch of shows coming to that streaming service. The streaming service itself, like I say, I don't think will launch outside of the US, but the, the shows probably will come across. So that's sort of why I wanted to mention that. Moving on, a few air dates that we've got. Uh, Britannia season two premieres on 7th of November. So uh, the, that is coming back. And uh, His Dark Materials, which has been talked about forever, that is coming on the 3rd of November to BBC, followed by the 4th of November on HBO if you're in the US. Mm. Uh, and there is one cancellation as well, No Good Nick, which was the Netflix series has been cancelled after, well, they say it's one season, but it would technically, it was in two parts and it was 20 episodes and they split it in half so right. yeah it feels like two seasons feels but like, yes. yeah yeah but yes so that has been cancelled as well moving on to some other news there is another game of thrones prequel in the works of course there is dave well, those yet. i mean we knew that they were developing five there were five yes. scripts being in development uh, a few months ago we were told that three of them were still very much in active development two are now potentially well one's definitely been piloted it looks like this second one is also going for pilot as well mm. so uh this one is based around the targaryens and it's set three years before the events of the main series uh, explores the beginning of the end for House Targaryen so 300 years before the series started that's around the time of the War of Conquest when Aegon Targaryen first invaded Westeros uh, on the back of his dragons it's when they set up King's Landing as the capital they forged the Iron Throne uh, sort of set up the backdrop of Game of Thrones as we know it up until mm. you know Robert's Rebellion comes along like 300 years later and you know kills off the mad king so it is basically that sort of setup so it's an interesting kind of history i think yeah good time i think to pick yeah yeah so i think that's interesting the other one that has already had its pilot shot uh and they're they're in post-production at the moment that one which comes from jane goldman uh that one is set thousands of years before and so has very little mm -hmm. direct correlation with the the main series uh this new spin-off comes from uh ryan condal who was the creator of colony that sci-fi series or co-creator of colony that sci-fi series interesting i think that one could be well yeah we, definitely we don't know whether they're going to potentially greenlit two shows or whether it's an either or situation mm. um it, i mean they could potentially greenlit two and then run them every other year and jump them you know oh, yeah right do them that way so that takes the pressure off them having to kind of run through good. you know and it gives them time to to you know mess around with them and stuff because that's been yeah. a bit of a problem for hbo recently is the fact that they just can't churn out the stuff quick enough because yeah, there's so many sure. post-production there's so much post-production on it so um so we'll have to see what happens with that but mm. they they are aware that they don't want to kill the golden goose and they, they don't want to <laughs> kind of let the quality level drop yeah and, you know so they're, they're only going to greenlit the green 
like them if they feel that they're working. So we'll see what they do. But yes, there's, there is one other show that was in active development last we heard. We don't know what will happen with that, but mm. that's what we've got at the moment. On to some casting news. There was a whole bunch of casting news again this week. Uh, James Gunn <laughs> revealed the full cast for Suicide Squad, although he did have the caveat, don't get too attached. Yeah. So, so this is, this is is it a sequel or a reboot or like what, what's happening? It, it's a sequel boot. <laughs> right. So uh, what's her name's back, isn't she? Margot Robbie's back. Yeah. So Jai- but no Will Smith. No as, Will as, Smith. As, as we know. No Will Smith. Uh, Jai Courtney is back as Captain Boomerang. Joel Kinnaman is back as Rick Flagg Viola Davis is back as Amanda Waller and Margaret Robbie is back as Harley Quinn so those are the people from the first one that are returning so there is obviously some connection to that first movie Um, Mm. however it's a different director it is uh, James Gunn taking control of it from Guardians and after what he did with Guardians and you know the various other hands that he's had over that franchise I'm I'm very very much looking forward to what they do with this and and uh, he's also been raiding Marvel's toy box because Sean Gunn, his brother, who yes. is, is uh, coming across as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's fine. Michael Rooker <laughs> is also coming across. Idris Elba, uh, Takita Wahiti is also in there as well. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, people that have, you know, again, it's quite possible that they'll just kill these characters off really quickly, you know, and yeah, that's maybe, quickly, yeah. maybe why there's an agreement in place because I would have mm. thought that their contracts wouldn't allow them to come across, but they may be out of contract with Marvel at this point so you know uh, yeah that's interesting because especially like Taika Waititi's got directing new Thor right and also he's in your Star Wars show uh, The Mandalorian so I don't know yeah you'd imagine he'd be quite into Disney you know yeah Um, so, yeah, so I, it, it's quite possible that they're they're getting either they're playing CGI characters or, or they'll they're getting killed off quite quickly we've also got Peter Capaldi in there for Doctor Who fans yeah. so, so that I thought that was an interesting name no idea who he, he's playing and uh, Captain Tight Pants himself from Firefly Nathan Fillion is in there uh, <laughs> so I you know and I will watch Nathan Fillion in absolutely anything I, I think is brilliant so I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing that and seeing yeah. whether he actually survives or not and who he's playing out of the other cast John Senna is in there rumored to play a character called Peacemaker. David Dashmalkian, uh, from uh, who, who was actually in Iron Man and Wasp and has popped up in The Flash, believed to be playing Polka Dot Man. He's in there. Joaquin Castillo, who was in Narcos, Mexico, and he's bound and down, is in there. Pete Davidson from SNL is in there. Actress and martial artist Mailing Ing. German actor Fluea Borg, who was in Counterpart. Argentinian Spanish actor Juan Diego Botto. Storm Reed, who was in Euphoria, uh, Alice Braga, who was in Queen of the South, Steve Adji, who is believed to be playing King Shark, who we've seen on the TV show, we've yeah. seen in The Flash. Uh, so we'll, we'll see whether that makes it on there. Uh, there's a few other people in, in there as well, but I, you know, I don't really know the names. So um, yeah, but yeah, mean, there's that big, it's uh, a big picture, isn't there, with all the names on, and there, there must be like uh, sixteen so names, and they're, they're yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. I, I suspect half of them, at least, yeah. are going to get like just killed off. Because I, I just with James Gunn, he's going to take the Suicide Squad thing quite literally. I rather yeah. suspect. So, and there used to be this thing, right, where like if if you've got a 
uh, Samuel Jackson or someone in a movie, you can, he's going to be fine, right? He's going to probably live to the end. But I think since like your Game of Thrones is and stuff, you don't really know anymore. And it's hard to like any of these people could survive yeah. or not survive. I think I, Margot Robbie might be a lock, but other than that, I'm, I'm not really sure who's well, going to survive. Yeah. Margot Robbie has to be a lock because she's got another movie coming out. Ah, uh, yes, right. So, so that's got to be in there. I suspect Rick Flagg is probably okay. Jai Courtney could go either way. Um, Amanda Waller is probably fine because she's the leader and, you know, she's not out in the field particularly. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the other names, though, I mean, yeah. I, it, it really wouldn't surprise me. I, I think it would just be very funny if they killed off Sean Gunn yeah, very, sure. very quickly. Taika Waititi does cameos in his own movies, so like he's, he's yeah. probably going to be in and out, I would think. I would yeah, think. I, I would think so. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of those, they're just going to end up randomly killing people off fairly quickly. So, <laughs> Um, but yeah, it sounds like great fun. I'm already very excited for that cast. Yeah, fr- from a movie that if if you'd have told me after I watched Suicide Squad that they're doing another one, and uh, I don't think yeah, I don't think I'd have been interested at all. But now I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll watch this. Sure, why not? Yeah, yeah. I I, I think it's the fact that it's James Gunn, and it's sure. exactly the sort of movie that James Gunn should be making. You know, yeah, so definitely. yeah, I, I I think he'll do a brilliant job. Moving on to other casting, Richard Dormer, who you all know from Game of Thrones of Fortitude has been cast as the lead in the BBC America Discworld series The Watch. It's exciting news, Dave. Yeah, it's, it's set in Anogmorpork where crime has been legalised. The series follows a group of misfit cops as they rise from decades of helplessness to save their corrupt city from catastrophe. He has been cast as the leader of The Watch. So he's playing Sam Vimes, who is the captain of The Watch, uh, disempowered by a broken society that reduced his department jurisdiction to almost nothing so they've announced a group of disenfranchised comrades to go with him as well uh joe eaton kent who is starring as constable cheery you've got uh, adam hugel who's starring as constable carrot idealistic new recruit raised by dwarf but really is a human abandoned at birth yeah so have, you, have you read these books Dave? i haven't read the books no so they're terrific um carrot is a really important character towards the end of so there's uh, there's four or five i think that have the watch in them but carrot is really important all the way through and right. uh, really interesting to see how they stitch it together yeah. um yeah this is really exciting just so you know this is great <laughs> yeah uh mama colette who was in true blood plays the mysterious corporal Angua, who is tasked with Carrot's training and keeping the rookie alive, which I think is a slight change from the book from what I was read. But, yeah, um, I believe so. Uh, Laura Rossi also cast as Lady Sybil Ramkin, the last scion of uh, Anak Morpork's nobility. Um, Sam Ajuwumi, who is uh, the wounded and wronged Casa Dunn, out to hijack destiny itself, take control of the city and exact the terrible revenge ah, on the just reality. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, I think I think Carter's from like the third or fourth book and right. it, this book goes into like um time travel and stuff and it starts to become like a a time travel action but generally they're like procedural comedy i would say okay. um, but this this one was like a big left turn so yeah really interested to see where they go with that because that's there's a lot of stuff in there there's a lot of material there 
Yeah, yeah. I am very excited to see this. It is coming to BBC America in the US. Despite it being BBC America, that is actually part run by AMC, I believe. So there's no guarantee that it'll end up on BBC in the UK. We don't know where it'll end up over here. There's no announcement of a UK broadcaster yet. So we'll have to see. But I strongly suspect this will get picked up by somebody. So, I so. I mean, Amazon would seem like the obvious place, given that they've just run that good Demons. So yes, this yeah. would seem like the obvious people to try and go and pick it up. And, uh, and just because we have an AMC channel as well doesn't necessarily mean that it will come to them <laughs> because they tend to sell things off to the highest bidder anyway. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. And uh, over on Netflix, they've announced some casting for the Umbrella Academy season two. Uh, Yusuf Gatewood, who uh, was in Good Omens, actually, and uh, played one of the four horsemen. I can't remember which one. Uh, and he was the also second in, one. <laughs> yeah, he was also in the originals as well, which is where most people will know him from. Rin Island, who was in Sneaky Peach, who was Julia in that. And Rita Aria, who was in Humans and uh, Doctors as well. They've all joined the season two of the Umbrella Academy. Yusuf is playing... Raymond, a born leader with the smarts, gravitas and confidence to never have to prove it to anybody. He's warm, dedicated and has the innate ability to disarm you with a look. Uh, Devoted husband is the kind of guy everybody wants to know. Marine Island is playing Sissy, a fearless, no-nonsense Texas mum who's married young for all the wrong reasons. Still in her prime, she's eager to rediscover what life and love has to offer. And Ritu is playing Lila, a chameleon who can be as brilliant or as clinically insane as the situation requires unpredictable mischievous and sarcastic Lila's gifted with a twisted sense of humour so those are three new characters coming to season two of the Umbrella Academy no idea Sounds how they good. fit in but I'm yeah, me very either. looking forward to that because there wasn't the, the plot of the Umbrella Academy that there were only was it five or six of them that were born with superpowers well no actually there there was there were more than that but yes he, that's right yeah yeah but, but they, only, they don't know where the others went did they yeah but like he yeah, only right. takes that small group of them he he adopts like six of them um or seven of them i can't remember you're quite right yeah so yeah but there were others as well so so yeah i i don't know because i've only read the first of the umbrella academy books which is basically mm. the first series so i'm not sure about these characters from the following books i'm assuming they are from the following books so we're, we'll have to see but uh I, I really like all those guys i don't know ritu particularly but uh yusuf is great and marine was brilliant in sneaky pete so uh i'm rather looking forward to seeing those guys pop up definitely and um out of casting news there is the another revival show coming this one with a far more british bent to it uh <laughs> this one is the return of the video gaming show games master is apparently in development uh games master i are you aware of this uh, thank you for asking, Dave. No idea. <laughs> yes, I thought you probably wouldn't be. So it is a 90s show. It ran from 92 to 98, the original Games Master. It was essentially back in the days before gaming was everywhere. This was pretty much the only place on mainstream TV that showcased gaming. Presented right. by a man called Dominic Diamond, along with help from the disembodied head of Sir Patrick Moore, uh, who played <laughs> the Games Master. The series featured uh, gaming previews, reviews, challenges and contestants who could win the coveted Games Master Golden Joystick Trophy. So that was the sort of setup for it. Um, I mean, gaming even now isn't really on mainstream TV. So I, I think this would be quite an interesting thing for 
them to pick up because they are planning to aim it at a mainstream audience and not only at a child audience. They're talking at sort of ranging from like 16 to like 45, you know, they're, they're, oh, wow. they're going for a, a full-blown, you know, people that remember the original show, new audiences as a just a mainstream gaming show. Um mm. No announcement of where it will get picked up, if it will get picked up. It's a co-production between Alaska TV, who are not based in Alaska. They're based in London and Brighton. I'm not sure why they're called Alaska, but <laughs> that's dead anyway. Uh, and Games Master Rights Holders, Future Publishing, are the people that make PC Gamer and all that sort of thing. They own the Games Master brand. So it's, oh. it's a co-production between those guys. But yeah, I'm, I'm rather excited for this. I rather like the idea of them them actually having a main, uh, you know, a mainstream, gaming show that sort of looks at games and reviews games because there really isn't anything like that weirdly out there on tv at the moment i don't think not that i can think of yeah no i agree and i wonder how like the landscape of video games is much different now than the 90s with you know regard to esports and and things like that and competitive gaming and loot boxes and the whole thing i wonder how they navigate those topics yeah should be good why not you know i can almost envisage something with the sort of style of top gear but as a gaming show you know something like that where it it takes some well-known faces that love gaming because there are people that are are actually you know into gaming at this point you know maybe have a group of presenters that are reviewing and looking at games and you know in the same way that something like top gear looks at cars something like that sort of setup where it's it's that kind of thing and have some sort of contest in there as well Mm. um you know i mean the the closest we've come to was the the uh dara brain go eight bit i was about to say dara brain's got to be all over this surely yeah and i mean this screams dara brain hosting it absolutely Maybe it's the games master because unfortunately Sir Patrick Moore is no longer with us. So uh, you know, maybe maybe you could yeah, have Dara as the games master floating head. <laughs> sure, uh, that would be quite fun. But we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Uh, as I say, very early in development at the moment. We'll, we'll, I might not come to anything, but uh, I was quite excited about the idea of that. So it looks quite good. So that's all the news we have for this week. Let's move on to the interview. <laughs> 
Rodriguez uh, did things like Spy Kids and Machete Kills and Sin City, uh, Sin City 2 to Dame to Kill For. He did the uh, Dust Till Dawn series and multiple, multiple other shows and films as well. Seth Manos comes out on the 3rd of October, by the way, on Netflix, if you want to keep an eye out for it. Here's the interview with Carl. He was a lovely guy to talk to. We will see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. Thank you for spending a little bit of time to uh, come on and chat to me today. Likewise. Thank you for taking the time to do it. Whereabouts are you? You're based in LA. Both LA and Austin. I'm in Austin at the moment. Ah, Austin, right. Texas. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Austin's got a bit of a film industry going these days, hasn't it? It does. There's a lot of films being shot here now. And of course, we have Robert Rodriguez and Richard Linkletter and uh, Terry doing all these wonderful films based right out of Austin. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, you work with Robert quite a lot, don't you? So I do. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes good place to, to be based exactly the show really you're you're on to talk about is i'm gonna probably mess this up but seis manos or mantos is that right that's pretty close seis manos seis which manos. translates to to six hands in english ah, right okay yes my uh, spanish is terrible uh, <laughs> uh, that's all right that's what we were here to help <laughs> um, so um before we get into talking a bit about the show should we just do a little bit of background how did you come to become a composer in the first place well, it's, it's kind of a long story. Uh, you know, music has always been a part of my life. Uh, I started playing piano when I was six. My dad was a concert pianist, so there was always music at home. So I started taking, you know, official classics at six years old. Right. But I, I never really thought music was going to be my life. I, I thought it was going to be my hobby. You know, I, what I really wanted to do was direct. <laughs> so growing up, I, I continually played music uh, my whole life. Uh, but I went to college to study radio, TV and film. While I was doing that, I was playing with bands you know, and I was taking music courses for fun, you know, and uh, I started doing some PA work and set work with uh, productions doing uh, television commercials and films that would come by Austin. I studied at University of Texas. Yeah. While doing all that, I got to meet all the people that were, you know, hiring the composers and deciding what music was going to go in which commercials. And it kind of dawned on me. It's like, you know, I could do that. (laughs) And so uh, I put together a a little demo reel of some fake commercials that I put some music to and (laughs) pass that around to the different people that I had met. And uh, eventually I got a break and I got to do this really low budget, really cheesy commercial that, you know, played, uh, you know, overnight for these uh, 900 calls. But, you know, basically it was the first time that somebody paid me to write music and uh, I got to see it on TV and it was just so exciting. I was like, man, I got hooked. It was, <laughs> I, I had to continue doing that. And so I did more commercials for the, for that company for a while, which opened the door to other more regional, more eventually national commercials. You know, I did a lot of stuff for Subaru and Walmart and Bud Light and the light, the like, yeah. uh, which was really good training to be able to be creative quickly to come up with ideas. You know, those, those projects usually have very quick turnarounds. Yeah. And also uh, helped me be very versatile in, in terms of styles because, you know, one day we'll they'll ask me to do a Tejano ranchera thing for a beer commercial. And the next day they'll ask me to do an orchestral thing for a car commercial. <laughs> yeah. So I learned to be versatile uh, and, and effective in a, with quick turnarounds that really opened up the door to more longer format projects. You know, I started doing some short documentaries, some corporate videos, which led to bigger projects and eventually uh, feature films. Yeah. And you've worked on some fairly uh, big feature films as well. But the thing that you 
you're really on to talk about is the TV show uh, Sesmanos. That one sounded great. Sounded really <laughs> yeah. good there. Sesmanos is, is this uh, show which is an animated series. It's coming to Netflix. Is this the first time you've done an animated project? Uh, I've done some uh, other animated projects in the past, uh, particularly actually with, with Powerhouse Animation. We did right. this, uh, these children's book author that had created these amazing books to help children cope with difficult subjects such as, you know, cancer and uh, uh, divorce and uh, death and things like that, you know, uh, in in a very loving and but truthful way. And so this this man, Trevor Romain, who's an incredible human being, uh, wanted to make those books into into short videos. And so I had met Trevor a long time ago. And when he did them, uh, you know, we created the animation, the animated versions to his books. I ended up scoring those. So that was my first introduction to powerhouse animation. And this was over a decade ago. This is mid, mid 2000s. So you so, have, you have a sort of history with powerhouse. Exactly. I, and a project like this is mm-hmm. given your, your background of your work with Robert Rodriguez and doing things like uh, machete kills and grindhouse and, and Sin City right. and yeah. all that sort of stuff. I can see why they maybe go for you for something like this. Cause it's sort of, it is kind of a seventies based martial arts thing. Couldn't exactly. be further away from a child's animation, really, than if it tried. <laughs> having seen absolutely, <laughs> yes, it's the, the polar opposite of it. Other than the fact that they're using colors and and they're drawing, it's the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah very much so. So yeah. you come about this this project. It, it's quite interesting because it is set in Mexico, but it's got these Chinese elements to it as well. Right. Where do you start approaching a project like that? You know, that's a good question. When when Brad approached me uh, about doing this, this was actually a few years ago. You know, he had this concept of a show that followed these three orphan Mexican children that were adopted by this Chinese Kung Fu master. And just right there, it hooked me, you know, yeah. and then he was all about by the way, there's also, you know, black exploitation elements and there's going to be some uh, magic stuff. And oh, uh, and there's also a drug lord and you know, all <laughs> these different things. Oh, it happens in the 70s. So it's just to me, musically, it was just like a, a huge playground. The first thing that I wrote for the new version, because we did a preliminary demo a few years back when he first had the idea. Right. When we came back, when we actually got greenlit, greenlit and we we ended up actually starting the actual show, the first thing that I wrote was the main theme. And I wanted to incorporate all those elements in the theme. So how do you combine Chinese music with Mexican music? Well, I started, I started with, with basically a riff that's, that has a Chinese uh, vibe to it. It has, you know, follows the, the musical structure of Chinese melodic music. And so how do you, how do you make it Mexican? Well, let's see, let's add some, uh, let's make it, maybe have some mariachi trumpets playing it. Uh, and, uh, you know, add some acoustic guitars, you know. So combining those different elements, testing different ways of, of maybe playing the flute playing some Mexican elements and, you know, the Chinese flute playing some Mexican elements. Um, it ended up being this this really cool amalgamate that that actually I was really surprised how well it worked. Yeah. Um, some of the lines, uh, some of the melodic lines are actually like mariachi traditional lines, but I'm using Chinese harmonies with them. It was just a blast to 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 play with those different elements and and come up with something that that's a really interesting hybrid. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. So you you're almost taking kind of elements from both sides and and like switching like one to the other and. 
Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. And, and on top of that, I added a wah wah guitar. Uh, yeah. You know, to kind of you know, yeah. put the tactic. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Cut seventy, and uh, it was just so much fun, and the rhythm of it, and you know, make it orchestral. So it, it just the whole thing came together in a, in a in a beautiful, unexpected way. Yeah, that's really amazing. Are you doing a lot of this digitally? Are you using real instruments, or or are you are you? kind of getting people well, to play or how, how's the, what's the sort of mix like? You know, it's funny because when, when they give me the opportunity to do this project, they, they basically told me, have at it, do whatever you want with it. You know, we'll support you. And that was a huge gift for me because I mm -hmm. really wanted this to be uh, a, a very organic score, you know, especially they're playing homage to a lot of different styles and genres from the seventies and, you know, making it a digital score would have been a, a disservice to, to the, that vision. And so I ended up actually using a 26 piece string orchestra that we recorded in Budapest nice. for the bigger cues. And uh, for the, for the rest of it, we have a lot of amazing soloists. We, uh, you know, recorded a lot of uh, real flutes, traditional Chinese flutes, the Xiao, the Ditsa. Uh, we have some Eru playing in there. Uh, I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with Tina Guo. She's a fantastic cello and Eru player. She played on a few cues and it just sounds incredible. We also have real Mexican traditional instruments, uh, the guitarron, the violin, the Viuela. We have real French horns, trumpets. I try to make this as organic as possible. So yes, to answer your question, it's definitely real instrumentation. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, I know there's one real instrument, although I don't know whether he's ever actually made it into the score because you bought yourself a new toy because you bought a Gugon yes, that's, harp. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I used it all over the score. And that actually oh, was the first inspiration of, of, of a lot of the melodic stuff uh, for the Chinese elements. Uh, because that particular harp is is tuned in the pentatonic scale, which is very traditional in Chinese music. So a lot of the, the original melodic themes were written on that harp. Right. Okay, cool. I'm glad you got to use it because you have a YouTube channel and there's a video of it up there and it's you sort of oh, unboxing yeah. it. And, and, exactly. Yeah, I'm glad you saw that. <laughs> uh, and, uh, which is great because you're so excited about it, and, but you had no idea whether you were going to use it or not. So I'm glad I absolutely it used it. And I'm, so, I'm so glad you saw that because yeah, yeah. that was very exciting when it came in. So you mentioned it pick it up then because it's not something you've played before I don't think. No I never played it before but you know it's funny having played guitar and piano uh, and other other instruments you kind of have a little bit of a predisposition to learn other things quickly and you know I, I obviously don't have the skill to play it as those who have practiced for many years but yeah. I, I can certainly get away with uh, you know writing writing on it and, and adding color to the cues that I've written. Yeah yeah plus you know yeah. you're editing it so if you go wrong you can always take the bits That's out. Exactly right <laughs> That's the miracle of doing it, you know, having a digital editing because, you know, I can I can kind of half write, half play it and then make it sound fantastic once I put it in the computer. Absolutely. That's what you yeah. want. That's one of the maybe slightly more unusual instruments you've got. Have you got any other strange instruments that you use? Because I, I know composers have this habit of collecting kind of weird and wonderful things. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. You know, every time that I start a new project, I try to find a new instrument that's inspiring for that particular project. And as, as you well noted that the Gucheng was the, uh, the, the, the inspiration for this one. I also, halfway through the series, uh, I ended up getting a pipa, which is a, an upright lute. Uh, it's a okay. very ancient Chinese uh, instrument. I don't know if you're familiar with it. <laughs> but uh, the reason why I got it is because there's a particular scene on the show where you actually see one of the characters performing, playing a pipa. And it's right. like... 
there's no way I'm going to use a sample for that. So I had to get a pipa <laughs> and, uh, and it's a wonderfully sounding instrument. And the minute you pluck it, oh, that's Chinese. You, you know, it, it, yeah. no doubt of the origin of that sound. So uh, I ended up using it on a couple of, of the latter episodes. It is amazing how so many of the Chinese instruments really immediately sound like their Chinese instruments compared exactly. to sort of everywhere else in the world, you know, with Mexico and stuff, you, know, you think of trumpets, but then trumpets have lots of different uses and that sort of exactly. stuff. Exactly. They depend more on the melodic and harmonic context to yeah, really yeah. hone in their origin yeah exactly yeah whereas with china there's there are instruments which immediately you hear them they're like well that's a chinese instrument so right yeah very true you've been working on this project most recently uh as some of your other work as well the interesting kind of mix of things because as as we mentioned uh dust till dawn the series you yes. did that sin city you did that the uh, down to kill for uh you did segment of grindhouse the machete kills uh right really it's sort of the other end of the scale last man's standing you did this tv show which, which doesn't seem to fit <laughs> one of these right. is not like the other but it's great right. you know the, last man standing was uh, so much fun to work when i work i work on the first season for that yeah. uh, a good friend of mine monty montgomery who's an incredible guitar player he's just a virtuoso really he's friends with uh, tim allen and right. when tim allen was putting together uh, the show he approached monty to ask him if he wanted to do some music for it and monty at that time hadn't had any experience doing music for television or for picture and so he and i have a long history i produced a couple of his records and we you know we've been good friends for a long time and so he asked me if i could help him put together the score for the first season and so we worked together on that and it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun and but like you noted it's very different than most of the stuff that i that i do but it was really a great experience regardless yeah yeah and more recently you've done the uh diving deep documentary again which yes. is another sort of sidestep in a sort of out of the kind of action tv film genre right, as well which know, is nice right and, and and i don't know if you had the opportunity to see that I documentary, but, no. but it's a beautiful beautiful documentary that follows the life of uh mike degree who's an incredible underwater cinematographer he uh, passed on a couple of, a few years ago due to of the, all of the things he could have died he actually died of a helicopter crash <laughs> Uh, but uh, he he was just an incredible underwater cinematographer. He did a lot of work for uh, James Cameron yeah. and for the BBC and for, you know, National Geographic. Uh, you know, all the incredible footage that you saw in the late 80s, early 90s and, and uh, 2000s. Chances are he shot it. Right. One of the biggest breakthroughs that he had is when the uh, when the big. I think it was for the National Geographic where, where we, for the first time, we saw the orcas hunting uh, the baby seals on right. the shore. Yes, yeah, yeah. That, that's his footage. Right. And, and he, he highlights in the documentary how he shot that. And it's just breathtaking. It's beautiful. And I was invited to score that with my good friend, Stephen Barber, who's also an incredible composer. And, and for me, working with Stephen is like going to school because he just comes from a, a very, very different approach to music in a way that I admire. And, um, and I'm so grateful I get the opportunity to work with him every once in a while. We co-scored that documentary and it was just a, a beautiful experience. Yeah, I really would like to see that because it does sound fascinating. So uh, it's, I, I, it's I highly recommend it. It's yeah. doing the it's the festival circuit circuit right now, but I believe it just got picked up for distribution. So it should be it should be hitting the wider market soon. Yeah, I will. I will definitely keep an eye out for that. What would you say is the most interesting experience you've had working on various projects throughout your career? You know, honestly, I really think it's Seismanos. Uh, 
so I really feel like I grew as a composer through the course of writing music for it. Uh, it certainly expanded my musical horizons and my palette. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I learned a lot of uh, styles of music that I hadn't uh, had the opportunity to work on before. And just the, uh, the experience of combining all these different backgrounds and elements and uh, styles was, was just fascinating. And, and it really opened up a lot of uh, ideas for me for future projects. Yeah. Musically, it yeah. sounds fascinating from, from uh, my and point and of view. I do, so. I, I do want to say, you know, even though, there, yes, there's a lot of, you know, violence and kung fu and all of that that you would expect from a grindhouse type of uh, show, there's really a lot of emotional, heartfelt and tender moments that are not necessarily seen in the trailers or in the footage that's out there. But, you know, the story itself is, is a is a very heartwarming and heart-driven uh, adventure. Uh, and I think it's a very engaging story because of that. It's not just, uh, you know, violence for violence sake. Yeah, I will be checking it out when it comes out on Netflix. It uh, uh, it's something that looks really fun and, and interesting and different. So, uh, yes. We'll be really good, yeah. So last couple of questions for you. The first question is what TV shows are you watching at the moment? I'm watching Mindhunter at the moment. Uh, I, I just finished that season. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't tell me about it. I, I want to know. I won't. It's uh, it's brilliant though. The second season's a, a good continuation from the first, basically. It's oh yes, great. yes. I, I think I'm into the third episode right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I always find great music and in, uh, in TV right now, especially in the way that we consume TV these days uh, yeah. with Netflix and Hulu. And uh, and speaking of Hulu, I'm watching them, uh, The Handmaid's Tale, which is also so engaging and such great music in that. Yes, really fantastic show. Those are two that come to mind immediately. Cause I, I literally just yeah. watched Mine Hunt nights ago and the Handmaid's Tale uh, three nights ago. So. Yeah, great choices. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you. And if oh, the you... Umbrella Academy. The Umbrella Academy oh, was fantastic. Yes. I, I, it's not... I saw it when it came out, you know, two, three months ago. I love that show. That was so good. Last question. If you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present or future, which show would it be? <laughs> oh, that's not a fair question. <laughs> uh, uh, now I've got to think about it. Oh, you know what? Uh, Cher- Chernobyl. That would have been such a wonderful opportunity sure. to work. And the score to that, it, I mean, I was on the edge of my seat every every moment I was watching it. Yeah. Um, I, I can't place the name of the of the lady that scored it, but she did a fantastic job. I, I was so enthralled, of course, with the story, but the music made such a big impact on the way that you perceive the the experience. Yeah, it, it is a phenomenal, phenomenal show that um, I thoroughly enjoyed that and uh, yeah. just amazing. Yes, another good choice, I think, definitely. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm sure I'll think of, of you know, a hundred others when we hang up, but yeah, you know, yeah, no, I'll, no. I'll, I'll stand by, I'll stand by these. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, thank you for spending a little bit of time to chat through your work. I'm very much looking forward to the series when it comes out um, and it'll be on Netflix fairly soon by the time this interview yep. goes out. So we're definitely looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, come back on when you've uh, got your next thing up and running. Thank you so much, Dave. I appreciate it. Enjoy chatting with you. Lovely talking to you. Bye. So that was the interview with Carl Thiel about the show Ses. Manos, which comes out on Netflix on the 3rd of October. If you want to go and find it, it is up there. You can add it to your favourites list. Now we have some highlights for next week on TV. 
So highlights for next week. We have uh, City on a Hill, which starts on the 18th of September at 9pm on Sky Atlantic. This stars Kevin Bacon as a corrupt but venerated FBI veteran uh, who reluctantly teams up with an African-American DA. Together, their unlikely alliance subverts the entire criminal justice system of Boston. So uh, it looks kind of interesting. That mm. and uh, Kevin Bacon's always worth watching as far as I'm concerned. So that's one to watch out for. That's on Sky Atlantic from the 18th of September at 9pm. Mr. Mercedes is back for its third season on Stars Play. That's on the 19th of September. That arrives. Stars Play the Amazon add-on channel if you want to go and watch that. American Horror Story returns with 1984. This is the ninth season. That's on the 19th of September at 10pm. This is the one that is based around the kind of 80s slasher movies. So I don't massively do American Horror stuff uh, because right. it all gets a bit weird but <laughs> I quite like the idea of them doing like classic 80s slasher movie that kind of yeah. could be quite good fun so I might go watch that very in right now with uh, you know your hits and your Stranger yeah, Things very very much so so uh, one, one to go and watch out for that is of course on Fox uh, Disenchantment is back for the second half of season one that is on the 20th of September that's the adult animated comedy series from Matt Goering that's on Netflix Criminal which is this interesting new procedural coming to Netflix on the 20th of September. It's 12 unique stories set in four different countries. So they're sort of equally split between France, Spain, Germany and the UK. Each in their own individual language. So there are three episodes in each. So three in English, three in French, three in Spanish, three in German. Uh, the English ones stars David Tennant in one of them as well. So it looks kind of interesting. We posted some trailers yeah, for that. Up. One worth going to watch, but that's called Criminal That that's on Netflix on the 20th of September. And My Life is Murder coming to Alibi on the 24th of September at 9pm. This is a show starring Lucy Lawless, Xena Warrior Princess, um, as a fearless private investigator who solves the most baffling crimes as well as the coping with the frustrations of everyday life. So it's a alibi procedurally type thing. I yeah. think it's from it's Australia or New Zealand. I can't remember which. Sorry, Australian New Zealand people. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I know you'd hate getting that mixed up, but I can't remember which one it's from. Um, but yes, yeah, called My Life is Murder. That coming to Alibi on the 24th of September at 9pm. So that is everything for this week, unless you've got anything else you want to mention. No, that's it. i got to go binge watch this uh, video game TV show. What was it called? It's called Games Master, the original Games one. Games Master. Go i got to go. Up, yeah, the clip's on YouTube, I'm fairly sure. It's the 90s, so you'll be playing like Pong, right? That's the 90s. <laughs> Slightly more of some Pong, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're very interested to go. I haven't looked at clicks in, clips in ages. I shall have to go and have a look see what I like so that is everything for this week if you want to find more information on us on TV shows anything like that you can go to geektown.co.uk throughout the week find all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye 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 Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.